today, a new report shows aides questioning Joe Biden's physical fitness and the Biden White House sort of acknowledges the border crisis. We've got all of that and more coming up and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. Happy Friday. I am Sarah Gonzalez, and a troubling new report is confirming what we all have known to be true since before the 2020 presidential election. Joe Biden is deteriorating in a very bad way right before our eyes. Some of his presidential aides anonymously told Axios that Biden can only function between the hours of 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., his energy visibly diminishing, making it difficult to schedule public events. His close advisors insist that his mental acuity is still there. It's just his body that is failing him. But video taken just yesterday shows Sleepy Joe forgetting what country he was in last just two weeks ago until, of course, a young child had to remind him. Watch. The last country I've traveled, I'm thinking once with the last one I was in. I, I've, I've been to 89, I met with 89 heads of state so far. So uh, I'm trying to think, what was the last, where was the last place I was? It's hard to keep track. Um, I was, I, I mean, yeah, you're right, Ireland. <laughs> That's where it was. How'd you know that? Mm. And it just got more embarrassing from there. Joe was asked about his grandchildren, and he seemed to have like a reboot in the middle of listing them off. Anybody else have any questions? Yes, baby. What do you have? Oh, my name's Amelia, and um, where are your where are your um, grandsons or granddaughters? We're okay. Her name is Amelia. She wants to know where my granddaughters are. One granddaughter lives in in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia. One granddaughter lives in New York. One granddaughter lives in Washington. One granddaughter lives in Wilmington, Delaware, and the other grandsons, uh, my, my grandson lives in California. I left somebody out, didn't I? Anyway, Philadelphia, Wilmington, and I did say five. You're right. So let me see. I got uh -oh. one in New York, two uh -oh. in Philadelphia. Okay. You got it this time. Three. No, three, because I got one granddaughter oh, who boy. is... I don't know. Oh, gosh. You're confusing me, but they're all around. Wilmington, mm. California, New York, and Philadelphia, the cities they live in. The four-year-old confused you. Okay, Joe. Now, you may notice he mentions five grandchildren and says he missed one, which would, of course, make six. But Joe Biden actually has seven grandchildren, including the love child of Hunter Biden and former stripper Alexis London Roberts, who is currently in a legal battle with deadbeat dad Hunter over child support. So we're clear that wasn't a dementia mistake. Joe and Jill Biden, excuse me, Dr. Jill Biden, have never acknowledged their four-year-old granddaughter, Navy. Imagine the level of narcissism, of pure degeneracy that grown adults must have to not acknowledge the existence of an innocent child who didn't choose, by the way, to be born to a crackhead father. That, that is not dementia. That part is pure evil. Now, along with sounding like someone's great-grandfather at the nursing home and refusing to acknowledge his granddaughter, somewhere along the way, Sleepy Joe turned into Creepy Joe because, well, he was around a group of children, and as history has shown us, he just couldn't help himself watch. Yes, baby. What is it like in the White House? Well, what's it like in the White House? 
Well, here, come here. You hang with me for a minute. And I, you don't want to go in the White House? Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure what kind of parents are allowing their children near Joe Biden with all of the on-camera evidence we have of him touching them inappropriately, sniffing them inappropriately, according to Ashley Biden's diary, showering with them inappropriately. But then again, these are likely the same parents taking their children to drag queen story time hours to stare at grown men's ball sacks. So I wouldn't accuse them of being good parents. But there was one moment that Joe Biden seemed to speak honestly and at least somewhat coherently about himself. Now she's talking my language. What's my favorite ice cream flavor? <laughs> I may be among the dullest presidents of the world because I'm known for two things. My Ray-Ban sunglasses and chocolate chip ice cream. That's my favorite. Imagine being so out of it, so far gone, so empty, so weak that you call yourself the dullest president in the world. I mean, he's not lying, but he is the president of the United States of America, a position that's supposed to exude strength and composure and poise. Instead, he has children telling him when it's time to go inside for a little nappy poo and a pudding. Watch. Can I please have a fist bump? Mr. President, I heard you have to get back to the Oval Office. Yes. What was that? Oh, hi, how are you? Hi. What'd oh you gosh. say to you? I said you have to get back to the, I heard you oh, had to get stop. back to the Oval Office. God help us. Here to discuss this and more, we have Blaze TV contributor Eric July, also founder and owner of Ripiverse Comics, and John Doyle, Blaze TV contributor and host of Heck Off Commie. Um, <clears throat> by the way, Running again, four more years, Eric. Yeah, I did see that. That was confirmed not too long ago. I wasn't on the show, I guess, that, that day that he had done that. But I knew that was coming. But I don't know, man. I don't know if it's one of those deals where it kind of benefits, let's say, the Democrats in terms of their establishment and having a guy that's as brain dead as he is in that position. Maybe he's easier to con control. There's not going to be as much pushback. He's not coherent. So it's like, is he the actual president um, at all. Well, most people don't believe that he actually is. He's more a, a stand-in. So, of course, having someone that's either incompetent or just doesn't have it all upstairs, that's the perfect actual candidate if those are your your, your actual desires. So in, I guess in that case, maybe it does certainly um, uh, benefit them. But I think I guess the frustration is going to lie on, the, I guess, them and their their um, administration gaslighting the the entire country acting as if we don't see that mm -hmm. um, and then telling us that he does have it all uh, uh, upstairs and he, he's good to go. Anybody that's a rational person can see that that's that's not the case at all. Um, so I guess that I can see where people are frustrated there. But for me and how I feel about presidents, I guess I guess I would prefer a guy that's an idiot that doesn't do much up there. But that doesn't mean that what his duties are aren't gonna be filled, let's say, by someone that certainly has bad um, intentions there. But anybody with a half a brain knows that Joe Biden's completely out of his mind. Including, you you mentioned half a brain. I would even, I would go so far as to say- A quarter of one? A quarter of one, <laughs> or maybe an eighth of one, because even Karine Jean-Pierre, who is like the dumbest of the dumb, uh, even she was asked earlier this week if he plans to serve all eight years, should he win? And even she was like, 
Uh, you're going to have to talk to the campaign about that. I can't speak to that. And then had to like backtrack on Twitter because she got so much criticism of not answering of what seems to be a very simple question when you're running for president. She can even field questions better than Biden can. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we spend a significant amount of time dunking on her, but even she is more competent in terms of like answering the day-to-day policy questions than Joe Biden is. Uh, and it's almost reminiscent of like the, you know, typical propaganda question like, you know, oh, oh, uh, Mr. Stalin or, or uh, Mr. Kim Jong-un, like, what's your favorite ice cream? What's your favorite? How many, like, rounds of golf did you play? These very, like, simple softball questions that he can just answer, you know, brand himself as Mr. Aviators, Mr. Chocolate Chocolate Chip or something. <laughs> but it is good to Eric's point that people who are paying attention, this provides a very good opportunity for them to see how our country really works. I mean, you've got this guy who's obviously not running the country, but for some reason, things are still happening, things are still moving, and it really shows, I think, uh, what is actually going on in terms of how our government is structured. But that said, I also think it's meant to humiliate normal American uh, people. It reminds me of that story of the, um, what was it, like a Roman emperor or something who made one of his horses a senator. And he demanded that his constituents like salute the horse as a senator just to like get, you know, inside their head. Like you will pretend this is a senator. That's like what I think is happening with Biden is you've got this guy who like can't even, you know, recall where he was traveled to or who his grandchildren are. And we're all supposed to believe that this guy is the most popular president Mm -hmm. of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though we know that's not true, it doesn't matter because it's still going to happen. You know, the most frustrating thing I think about that is that, I mean, it's it's true. Like the Democrats also have to see this. They know it. Yet how many millions are still going to go to the voting booth and they're going to vote for him literally no matter what because they know the alternative or I should say they believe the alternative to be, you know, a Nazi. And that, and that's that's how that's yeah, like that, that's how, how that's how the that's how most American people are. It's it's less about voting in support of someone or something and voting, let's say, against the other folks is more so. And and even then, that but their more, characterization is completely inaccurate. Well, yeah, uh, well, I mean, I talk about this all the time. I just just average Americans in general, and maybe people just in the West, uh, and just how stupid they actually. Are. So, yeah, of course, it may be a complete lie in terms of what they believe, but it's not going to stop them from, let's say, voting in terms of their, their habits, habits. And even what it is that they advocate will be completely maybe antithetical to their own uh, interests, but it doesn't I, I have to make sense. So I guess it does show how stupid people are when you can roll out someone like that. And still there's going to be people that are like, well, I'm, I'm told to support this guy. This is what folks like myself are. Uh, that care about issue one, issue two, issue three are supposed to support in this guy. Otherwise, the bad people win. So we have to go out there uh, and, and give them our support. So they're not really voting in, let's say, support of a Joe Biden or really anybody who ever else that they throw in there. And it's more against the other person. Definitely. Like if there's another Trump phenomenon, you're going to get the same same exact thing to an even heightened degree because they really are told to hate him. It is fascinating, though, because that seems to only go one way. Right. Like the people who are voting for Donald Trump, the majority of people who are voting for Donald Trump are very passionate about Donald Trump's policies, are very passionate about Donald Trump himself. And like it just seems to be completely converse on the right. What is what is that? What does that say about the right versus the left, John? The right is like normal people and the left are like. (laughs) 
dysgenic, miserable freaks, basically. I mean, if you look, and that's why all the Antifa mugshots look the same. And you see this throughout history, like what motivates people who are far left isn't really like the struggle of the working man. It's actually like resentment towards normal people and towards prosperity because they can't compete in like a, a hierarchy. Um, and that's why we saw in the last three years in particular, how vicious these people become in like overnight. I mean, with the COVID stuff going on, they're very happy to willingly lower their own material standard of living if they believe it's like owning the chuds or like making people like us be more miserable in our day to day because they themselves are already miserable. So it's like not a whole lot is changing, but we used to have a nice country even as recently as 20 years ago. And they, I think they actually like enjoy taking that away just because they think that we're like evil people. Mm. Um, so I want to move to uh, the latest Biden executive order. Uh, Biden authorized the Department of Defense to deploy active duty and reserve soldiers to the border. Yes, to the United States-Mexico border amid uh, an international drug trafficking crisis. Wow, it's great that they're finally acknowledging that there is a crisis at the border. Uh, the executive order enclosed in a letter to Congress authorized Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas to order to active duty units and individual members of the Ready Reserve to ensure DOD can sustain its support of DHS concerning international drug trafficking along the southwest border. Um, and uh, look, <laughs> Mayorkas is, I think, probably the worst that I've ever seen when it comes to uh, the Department of Homeland Security. I know that the Republicans have been pushing for him to be impeached. I'm sure he won't be. He won't acknowledge that he is a failure at all. But uh, Mayorkas told the press corps yesterday that the border will not, guys, it's definitely going to be closed now. It will not be open. Oh, wait, is he acknowledging that it, it has been open before? Because he said that it wasn't. But he said the border will not be open after May 11th. Watch. Let me be clear. Our border is not open and will not be open after May 11th. So why would you have to cl clarify May 11th if it just has not been open this whole time? I don't know. F uh, fairly interesting. I will say this. Um, <laughs> When I see this sort of, this is clearly they, they're, yeah, they're acknowledging an issue that's going on right now at like the southern border per se. But I think anybody that's, let's say, a rational person, and I mean, that's maybe three people. But on a serious note, if the government, in terms of how they looked at national security, limited their reach, let's say, to exactly that, I think people would be they will find that more preferable than what it is that we have and have historically in world build, building and, 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 or nation building, excuse me, mm -hmm. and um, trying to make Afghanistan more diverse and uh, whatever stupid stuff that they've been trying to do over the last, I mean, for a very long time. And those resources, first of all, they'd be spending a lot less on defense anyway, but those resources would be readily available. So I guess it's it's to me quite hilarious that, you know, they can be defined as department, the Department of of Defense when most of the money it is that they're spending is going to them in somebody else's affairs that have absolutely nothing to do with protecting the people that are in this geographical area that they are supposed to certainly run. So uh, much as I hate hate government I'm not going to get as bent out of shape about this, but more so I want the American people to look at it like, OK, if even the minarchist libertarians will concede that they feel as if the government, that's their one job, right? The whole, uh, be it the government and, and, and national security, 
borders, uh, courts. That, that's what they feel like it's supposed to be limited to. So just imagine if those daily resources that they piss off were just allocated there and solving all of those issues as opposed to, and you can go look at any sort of map that you want to, just look at America's presence around whatever you think that it is, it's like 100,000 times more than that. They are freaking everywhere, and it's, it's, it's insane. Um, John, obviously, you know, he mentioned May 11th, which is the day that Title 42 ends. But again, I mean, if the border was already secure, then the border would already be secure. Right. Like we wouldn't need to. I don't think he'd be in a hearing about it even. Yeah. Because the border would be secure and there would be no need for a hearing. Right. And and the order in itself probably just means we're going to send people down there to make sure that they don't have drugs and then wave them along. Okay, go through processing. Um, And people will read this and maybe think, oh, see, Brandon's getting stuff done. But I mean, he's not. They want like people flooding into this country um, because that's good for them for a lot of different reasons. But it's very bad for American people. um, Mm -hmm. And I think that. These problems are not difficult to solve. I mentioned this, I think, a couple weeks ago, and you laughed, but it's true. We should be focusing on solving traffic, conquesting the stars. You know, these are the problems we should be facing. We don't need to worry about crime and, like, immigration. These are things that if you just had people who could do what needs to be done, like in my favorite Latin American country, you could solve these problems within a few years. Yes, El Salvador, of course. You could solve these problems within a few years. I mean, with the level of technology we have, um, I mean, we were able to hunt down, like, grandmothers who were caught on, like, C. CCTV footage in the cat. You think we can't like find like people who aren't supposed to be here? I mean, or even just secure the border in the first place. So when do you move to El Salvador? Oh, no, thank you. No. Oh, okay. Well, you cite it so much as well, a, a I, great country. It's something to aspire to in, in some regards, but I am an American. I'm going to stay in America. I'm okay. not like one of these people from countries who's just going <laughs> to run to another country and wave you. the flag of the country <laughs> they're leaving. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break. John is going to need to put some money in the swear jar during the break. We'll be back with more. First, we want to thank our sp- pay- thank our sponsor, Patriot Mobile. Uh, all right, so Patriot Mobile is look. We talk about creating a parallel economy all the time. Patriot Mobile is the alternative to one of the big mobile carriers who takes a portion of your hard-earned money. And uh, they, uh, wow, John is actually putting something in the swear jar. Um, And they donate it to left-leaning causes, like maybe, you know, an organization that wants to take your guns, an organization that is pro-abortion. Well, Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, so they're going to offer you the same dependable nationwide coverage on all three all three major networks, so you're going to get the best possible service for your area without having to, you know, know that your dollars are being spent basically against you and against all that you're working for. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. They've got 100% U.S.-based customer service. It's going to be very, very easy to switch. You can go to patriotmobile.com news. Get free activation today with the offer code NEWS. Ask about their coverage guarantee, by the way, while you're there. It is patriotmobile.com slash news. All right, those of you who are watching on YouTube, this is the part where I tell you, make sure that you hit that like button, uh, subscribe to the channel, and comment. Let us know what you think about the news of the day. Let us know if you think that Joe Biden will make it. Uh, first of all, if you think he's going to win in, of course, I'm sure the safest and more secure election of 2024. And if he does, is he going to make it through 
the term. Um, all right, I want to go to uh, Nashville. So Nashville police are currently reviewing the Nashville shooter's manifesto for a possible public release in the near future. Now, this is uh, in contrast to what they previously had said afterwards, which was that they would not be releasing the manifesto. Uh, Nashville police said the investigation has advanced to the point that writings from the Covenant shooter are now being reviewed for public release. That process is underway and will take a little time. And Governor Bill Lee tweeted out yesterday, the Covenant shooting was a tragedy beyond comprehension and Tennesseans need clarity. We've been in touch with the Nashville Police Department and today Chief Drake assured me that documents and information regarding the shooter will be released to the public very soon. Um, it, of course, remains to be seen if there will be any redactions, if there will be any edits, if this really will be the full trove of documents because there was not just a manifesto, but I believe there were there were diary entries, there was a journal, there was a suicide note, like there was a lot to look at, to get kind of an all-encompassing perspective of what this really was about. And I just don't hold out hope that law enforcement will give us, since they were so quick to say, we're not giving this to you. I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm too, am I being too cynical, Eric, that they are the not- the police? Yeah, I mean, you, I mean that was a, base, about, that was a very know, good setup uh, for uh, you. Of so. all people to ask uh, uh, me about that. I, I was walking right in that intentionally, <laughs> I mean, so. Oh man, but no, let's, let's be honest here. If if the actual, let's say, intention is to have the American people, all these political pundits, everybody that's discussing this whole entire issue, uh, some people focus or uh, hyperemphasize guns and it's the role that it plays in yada, yada, yada. I would believe that this would be the most important aspect of it if we want to understand what is going to happen in, let's say, to the psyche of the individual that actually carried this stuff out. Because that's where the prevention method starts, is it not? Yeah. Where did this person go crazy whether this person's what happened in this person's life how do we make sense of of this even though some of this stuff is certainly illogical it doesn't make them less of a piece of crap person mm -hmm. by any means but you can at least begin to understand at least from their perspective at minimum where it is that they are coming from i think in order for us to have any sort of honest discussion about it it doesn't matter what side of the aisle that they were on i think that's got to be arguably the most, because the person ain't here no more, uh, arguably the most important information that we could we, we would need. So if the intention, <laughs> police certainly wouldn't have this intention, but if the intention is to allow the public to assess the information for themselves, and then let's say for those activists and everybody that wants to, let's say, solve this issue of, of people going mad enough to want to air out multiple folks, especially children. If we want to solve that problem, yeah, you release it unedited and you let us get to the real. Do I expect that to happen? Of course not. But that's what we would need. So if anything, I think it would damn them regardless if they look at that and maybe this is the conspiracy in me, but look, look at that information and say, yeah, we're not going to release it. All we are left to do is speculate what the hell was in that, and then we can kind of guess why you wouldn't release it. And right. if, that, if that's what you want us doing, all right. Yeah, John. Most people don't take manifestos, like the average person, that seriously. Um, like you've had shootings where the manifesto is like, 
<laughs> written by the FBI and like copy pasted 4chan talking points and people on the left will use that and be like, oh my gosh, they were radicalized by the right. But people on the right are quick to disavow and, and that's the key thing. Um, and as much as I don't like class analysis, you know, the left likes to view the whole world through like the lens of class analysis. There is something to be said about operating as a class, meaning I don't even need to know you or speak your language, but I can trust you to operate in this situation in a way that is like effective in the way that I would want things done. You can be like a cohesive unit. And the left is far better at this than the right is. I mean, we're way too like, you know, infighty, bickery, whatever. The left is very good about just getting things done. But I think that the reason the activist groups are putting pressure on the police department to not uh, release this manifesto is because they don't trust you know, the B, C tier journalists or random Twitter accounts to do what the right does in these situations, which is disavow the manifesto. You're going to see too many journalists, too many pundits basically saying, I mean, she's not wrong. I mean, where's the lie uh, in this manifesto justifying the slaughtering of innocent children? Whereas the right knows, okay, well, we have to disavow this. This is obviously awful. Where the left goes, well, I mean, they kind of have a point. And I don't think that they trust themselves because they agree with it. I don't think that they trust themselves to be able to keep that under wraps because it's one thing if the manifesto is politically motivated, but as long as your broader coalition is not seen endorsing that, you'll be okay. I think that the left knows that they're not going to be able to keep things under wraps like that. I mean, to your point, they sort of already did that and they yeah. didn't even have a manifesto yet. They didn't have a reason, but they were already like, well, it's sad that she felt the need to, you know, carry through with this, knowing that she was so oppressed and she, you know, I'm sure that she was mistreated. And it's sad that, you know, basically Christians and anyone who's not trans and she felt bullied to that extent. I mean, they've already started doing that. So I can't imagine how bad it would be uh, if this finally comes to light and plays out like everyone kind of thinks that it will. Um, all right, I want to switch over to Indiana. So two Indiana elementary school teachers have been accused of forcing a seven-year-old special education student to eat his own vomit. This is uh, life skills teacher Sarah Seymour and instruction instructional aide Deborah Knipp who were charged. Look at that. That woman is 63 years old, engaging in this with a seven-year-old kid. A 63-year-old could be grandma. I don't know. She is a grandma. She probably should never see those kids again. But uh, they were charged with felony neglect and failure to report a misdemeanor. So uh, according to police, the teachers allegedly asked a special ed student back in February to eat his own vomit with a spoon with other children present. Uh, he's, the teacher said that if he needed to vomit, he would need to eat Whatever he vomited up, the child then vomited on a tray provided by the second teacher, and uh, then they gave the child a spoon, watched to meet the vomit, and then gave him paper towels to clean it up. By the way, these are the same people who insist on higher pay, these teachers. Would this have a school that, that, uh, that happened to be? If you, if you have those notes uh, on it, it yeah, please do. But, man, I mean... Uh, you, there's stories, believe it or not, there's stories like like weird stuff happening in the educational system of of um, some sort of malpractice, malintent by way of of of, of the teachers, um, and it, it, of course the even the administration, at least the ones that are in the in the actual buildings. Were you wondering if it was private or public? Is it? It's Brown Elementary School in mm -hmm. Brownsburg, uh, Indiana, mm -hmm. and it is the Brownsburg Community School Corporation. So yes, a public school. Okay, interesting. Well, I mean, I assumed as much that it was. That's just uh, confirmation. But 
Aside from the curriculum, which is as terrible as it's, it's probably ever been, you have stuff, goofy stuff like this. And of course, you know, you're going to get those that are like, oh, I'd never do anything like this. And I believe it. I guess there are certain that's a ex very extreme case. And I don't think most teachers would be doing something as silly as this. However, um, a lot of folks are just straight up unaware of what goes on in the public education system because it's in, sort of embedded in every individual in this country that it's a place where people are supposed to go, your children are supposed to go, you're supposed to willingly drop them off, uh, hoping that they don't turn, dropping them off to, or really giving them to Caesar, hoping that they don't become sort of, sort of Romans. Um, and I, 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 the reason why I think it's important to cover stories like this is because I just want average individuals, especially people that watch this show, to have some sort of form of like alternative thinking that this, there are other ways to educate children as opposed to this institution that is completely subsidized by um, taxpayers that you don't have a choice to pay for it or not. Even if you don't have kids, you still uh, have to pay for it and maybe in the form of property tax or whatever. Certainly um, it is. And there's a lot of criminal activity happening both in the curriculum and out of it. And for whatever reason, Unlike any other institution, like with police, you'll see that we, we, we're quick to be like, all right, well, there's something wrong with the system itself. But when it comes to the public education system and we get story after story, a foul thing happening, it's like eh, it's nothing, nothing wrong with it. It's just that those two individual teachers. And I'm like, no, I think there's a greater issue mm -hmm. at, at hand. Mm -hmm. But I do think it is kind of fundamental to to a, a lot of people's like wired uh, the way they are, they, the way they think and see public education, which is why they get so aggravated. You've probably got pushback on it mm -hmm. from viewers of this show. I know I get it every time I bring it up on this show because they act as if this is like part of Americanism. Right. And, you know, we have to sort of uh, protect the sanctity of it. And I think it's one of the most rotten things that has ever existed. And you can't look Look at this generation, my generation and younger, and how screwed up it is without looking at the institution itself. Yeah, I mean, and, and by the way, I talked about this earlier this week. One of the uh, people who in history pushed very, very hard for public education, for state-run education rather than homeschooling was, of course, Karl Marx, uh, because that is how you, you know, that is how you have communism exist, is that yep. the state teaches your children exactly what they want them to know, and the state is in charge, so. Yeah, and you do have a large amount of teachers who are activists. They view themselves as basically like these, these Sherpas who are supposed to guide children towards a progressive framework. Um, but the big problem is the administrators. I mean, I, I don't exactly know the ratio, but if you look at like the spending where it's going, is hiring all these new administrators and social workers and people. And it's so sad because then it deviates from teaching and it becomes this like big mission. You know, I recently, uh, I was nostalgic and I went on like my old school's websites and I was watching the videos and everything. And you've got all these people talking about diversity and inclusion and community and you know, all this crap. And the test scores are going down and there's chaos in the schools. Um, I remember hearing from one of my buddies, I think little brothers about like the things that are going on at my old middle school now. I mean, this is stuff that when, at, when I was at, in that middle school, if I would have heard was going on at the high school, I would have been like, this is insane. Like we need police there, mm. but it's just going on. But they're so focused on all these other things. Um, and I remember just being so frustrated in elementary school because we had these math books and we would have math boxes. So every day you have to do whatever. And I remember my teacher would like walk everybody through it. And I like, you know, I'm not saying that I'm Einstein or whatever, but I could figure out times tables and I would like go through it and finish my work and start like doodling violent illustrations. <laughs> I remember she would like scold me 
you have to wait. You're making the other kids feel bad. And this is like my first experience mm. being beaten down by this woman. I am trying to excel and I am mm. being, you know, rattled, uh, wrangled in by the public education system. Um, and you see so much of that. I mean, I think that like kids who are in the top 45%, they could finish like K through 12 education in like six years. Yeah. I mean, there's so much just waste. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, all right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be back with more, but we want to thank our sponsor, Magic Spoon. Guys, I'm obsessed with Magic Spoon. Uh, you know, if you're maybe, you're drinking a protein shake or a powder uh, after a workout or whatever, you have to try Magic Spoon. They've got this variety pack. It's four flavors. It's cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. Uh, the pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five net grams of carbs. It's only 140 calories a serving. So it is high protein, uh, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free, which means you guys know that I'm gonna eat it because I'm always talking about how I'm on keto and how I lost all of the, you know, all of that weight so many years ago. And I'm very, very careful what I put in my body, but I also don't wanna eat things that taste like garbage. Like, you know, you get those protein bars and it you're like, mmm, this is like eating cardboard, but I'm gonna eat it anyway. With Magic Spoon, you actually enjoy cereal again, knowing that you're not going to be eating something that's full of sugar and carbs and all of that. You really have to try it. You can go to magicspoon.com news to grab a variety pack. Try it out today and be sure to use our promo code news at checkout to save $5 off of your order. Uh, by the way, Magic Spoon is so confident you're gonna love it. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So they're going to refund your money if you don't love it. No questions asked. Go there, guys. It is all delicious. I've not found a flavor that I have not loved. It is magicspoon.com slash news. Use code news. After almost seven years, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors voted to end its boycott of nearly 30 conservative-leaning states. See, back in 2016, uh, the supervisors approved a local ordinance that prohibited city employees from traveling to or doing business with 30 states that had passed, of course, in their view, restrictions on LGBT rights. And the ordinance was later amended to include states that they say had restricted voting rights or limited abortion access. Look at this. Restrictive voting laws. Don't you love that? Did you realize here in Texas we have restrictive voting laws? I didn't. Well, they probably mean, Eric, you're black. You're not allowed to vote, right? Yeah, maybe that's exactly what, they, what it is that they mean because I can't get an ID. Right. I don't you don't how. understand how? I don't even know how to get it. What's an ID? What is that? Oh, you know, poor dear. Poor, poor black man. Oh, you poor dear. I'm <laughs> sure you can find a, a white man or, I'm sorry, probably a white woman yeah, who's yeah. happy to explain to you how you're oppressed and explain to you how to do that. It's fascinating how they twist these things. Um, so one month after amending the ordinance, the board voted seven to four to repeal it completely, citing in a report that the city found, quote, no concrete evidence the boycott was ever effective while it actually <laughs> cost the city more money to ban these states and damage the city's bottom line. It said, while it is difficult to quantify the exact cost of the boycott to the city, the budget and legislative analyst notes that a loss in competition is likely to increase the city's contracting cost by 10 to 20% annually, and these costs could continue to increase and compound over time as the city's potential contractor pool shrinks if the list of banned states grows. 
Oh, I love this. It's an economic lesson, uh, mm -hmm. for sure, is, is what this is. Um, I guess they really overestimated their uh, reach there and how important <laughs> it is that, that anybody, let's say, in, definitely in these states, would ever give a crap about how anybody out there in California, let alone one city in California, whatever, uh, okay, you don't want to work with them, all right, whatever. I mean, we, uh, we don't have to do any of that. You're only hurting yourselves in the event mm -hmm. that you guys need to trade, sell goods, move, um, you know, travel to it. You're only... You're handicapping yourself. Um, that, that, that's really it. Because what are we going to do? Like, oh, my God, San Francisco doesn't want to trade with. Uh, OK, like nobody's tripping. Ain't nobody tripping, <laughs> tripping at all on, on that. But, you know, I guess it shows that certainly economics, uh, the, the law of it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's when people get to changing. Right. When people understand that their bottom line this is the point that I've been trying to drive home with people on our side of the aisle forever. You know, once that bottom line gets to change and you see folk get to acting right, everybody's a virtue signaling uh, advocate until until that bottom line gets to hurting for a longer extended period of time and they start feeling it in their own pockets. It doesn't matter if, it is, if it's the government, it doesn't matter if it's a, a business, doesn't matter. The same economic law applies. And if you want to get these people, hit these people where it hurt, you see what's going on with Bud Light, I heard they just had a, some emergency meeting uh, uh, not too long ago uh, reports were because of this whole ordeal and how much money that they freaking they freaking lost over. People get to acting right once they start losing money. So what is it going to take for folks on our side of the aisle, even though with this they handicap themselves, right. but at least applying that sort of logic, we see that there's so much going on that's incorrect. Unfortunately, people are wired to let's get try to get the government to fix it. And I'm looking at it more so. Screw these people like get let's let's stop funding them if we don't have to. Mm -hmm. Right. And definitely for these agencies that are more voluntary in a sense that they're they're largely subsidized by us and they're like voluntary in like beer. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Or yeah. or Disney or like a movie or something. Right. I don't need I don't need that to right. function. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. John, as you disenfranchise more people, the economy improves. That's like what this story tells us. And that's also like literally true. I mean, if you disenfranchise more people, you would have less stupid people voting for things that affect all of us, people who actually are productive members of society, and the economy would improve. This is not my idea. I think Hayek or, or you know, one of these economists wrote about this, Milton Friedman, um, but it is true. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard that. Have you? Disenfranchise? Well, I'll say this. Trying to appeal to the widest demographic possible is economic illiteracy. Yeah. And you get a lot of definitely in entertainment. Which then you would get disenfranchised yeah, people uh, as uh, a result. Uh, of yeah, that. yeah, exactly. So yeah. I would certainly say that I see that in art all the time. Yeah. And that's why IDW is not going broke. Go look it up. It's just a bad incentive. Like people who are taking more from the system than they contribute, having a stake in voting on how that money is spent, yeah. it's being taken from people who actually do contribute. It, it makes no sense. Which is, I mean, the founding fathers didn't want it to be a right, but nonetheless. Right. I agree. Um, all right. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be right back. Friday. So this is a part of the show where uh, we read some of your questions that you've been sending us over at uh, Dear Sarah. That is Dear Sarah at theblaze.com. If you have life advice you need, you know, maybe dating tips, whatever, send them our way over at that email address. Today says, Dear Sarah, I hope this email finds you well. As a regular viewer of your show, I would like to express my gratitude for the diverse range of viewpoints presented by your esteemed guests. Guys, you just said you were esteemed. 
I'm blushing. Wow. As I've ever been. I am writing to seek advice on matters concerning politics and activism. As a 25-year-old man, I'm eager to contribute toward creating a better world. However, I feel powerless in my efforts to affect change. My interests lie in advocating for the importance of a closed border, domestic power creation, protecting children, and other pressing issues. While I have considered starting my own podcast to reach a wider audience, I am aware of the abundance of similar platforms already in existence. I am determined to make a meaningful impact and move beyond passive discussions. As I am not inclined towards seeking public office, I am seeking guidance on other ways to reach a larger audience and influence positive change. While I strive to be a role model within my immediate circle, I aspire to have a broader sphere of influence in helping people recognize the importance of these critical issues. I would be grateful for any advice or direction you can offer me on how to make a tangible difference in society. Thank you for your time and consideration. So I would love to hear what uh, what the two of you think, um, specifically you, John, because he is he says he's 25. I know you're I mean, I realize I'm the oldest one here. I'm not saying you're as old as me, Eric. OK, <laughs> but. I'm just saying he's 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 in his 20s. So but um, but I would say um, make sure to remember the importance of being local and being active in your local communities. For instance, I have the, my organization Defend Our Kids Texas, and um, we're constantly looking for people to engage with us, to sign up, to go to go to these events with us, to go in and, and record this stuff, to even be on the outside. I mean, we really, really have to not forget how important it is to make our voices known at a local level and get involved there. And I would encourage you to get involved at one of those local organizations. And then you can, of course, you know, work your way up the ranks from there if you want to just get into a broader sphere. Um, John, do you have any else to add. Yeah, I would say the path of the e-boy is a righteous one, but ultimately our power is either catching the ear of people who make decisions or building up an audience who could then bully those people who make decisions into doing the right thing. If you are a good guy, you're smart, you're good on the issues, just go be one of those people. Just you know, get involved in local politics like Sarah mentioned. I mean, you'd be surprised not only how easy it is to infiltrate, well, I shouldn't say that because obviously you're a very normal, well-adjusted guy, how easy it is to obtain power within those institutions and then wield them to do the right thing. That's why we lose because we're so disorganized, mm -hmm. but the good news is it's that disorganization that enables someone like you to get Get in there and take it over. So wow. I would say do that. That was inspiring. Thank I you. I like that. Eric, you have anything to add? You just got to meet people where they're at. Um, I think people get caught too caught up in trying to have some level of influence that is equal to or competitive to someone else that's also in the circle that maybe they look up uh, up to. And I think that's the wrong kind of uh, perspective to have. Mm -hmm. Everybody has some sort of subculture that they already are involved in. And I think that is your ticket to trying to influence the largest um, amount of people. So you have to meet people where they are at, but where you're at. Yeah, That's much cool. like how I, I got to the position that I'm in. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for sending that in. And uh, we hope that helps. We'll be right back. on Capitol Hill got pretty heated uh, earlier this week after Texas Congressman Troy Nels went off on Eric Swalwell. Um, <laughs> I, just, I can't even just watch. Mr. Chairman, uh, Ms. Rodriguez, I apologize that you had to. You're here for a hearing on the border. They don't want to talk about a border. Uh, Mr. Swalwell is down there. Obviously, everybody knows he's made some comments. He's got a, a checkered past. 
He's alleged I'm sorry, relationships. I'm sorry. passed. Uh, uh, alleged, I would ask. Uh, it's my time. Mr. Alleged affairs Checkered relationships passed. with Yum Yum. No, 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 You don't get to say that. <laughs> that's he, not he true. He had alleged relationships and with Yum Yum. I asked the, gen oh, oh, the gentleman's words be taken down. You don't get to say that, Mr. Chairman, we asked the gentleman's words be taken down. Is casting a slur on another member. I am here. He's making... I ask the words of the gentleman be taken down as casting a slur on another member. Let us have some order and civility here, and we will take up the issues one by one. For clarification, uh, the alleged relationship was with Fang Fang, not not Yum Yum. I, look, I mean, it is, it's a little embarrassing that this is how our Congress behaves towards one another, but I'm kind of now like, they started it. As well. They yeah. started it. Well, yeah, why not? Let's just be better at it than them. Yeah. Calling Fang Fang Yum Yum is pretty great. I'm yeah. going to be okay with it. I mean, you, you can be 12 years old on Xbox Live or you can be like, you know, a corrupt politician and you wear a suit. But like ultimately, male-to-male conflict is going to be like sexual McCarthyism. It's like, who's gay? You. No, you. And just back and forth. Yeah. Eric. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I mean, it's a crap show, but I guess I prefer it that way. No, I yeah, I know you do. Oh, of course. The, right, the less they legitimize the them as much as possible. They aren't as smart as everybody pretends they are. Um, and for whatever reason, we look to them to, to run us. Right. Which is quite hilarious to me. It is very sad. Laugh so you don't cry, though. That's how we feel. Uh, all right, make sure that you... Uh, Hey, if you're in the market for some new comic books, make sure you check out Ripiverse Comics and uh, make sure you are subscribed to Heck Off Kami over on YouTube. Professionally intolerant. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.